Well, I am super happy this morning. Are you guys happy? Uh, If you're not happy this morning, let me give you something to be happy about. God has sent his son to take your place. God has sent his son to take the punishment that you deserve. I want to give you something to be happy about, okay? Let me just try this one more time. Your sins are no longer counted against you because of Jesus. This this in and of itself is an everlasting joy that Christ himself has taken away past, present, future sins by his own blood. This is insane. Charles Spurgeon once said, I stand before God as Christ because Christ stood before God as me. What that means is that the punishment that you deserved, Jesus received so that you could get what he deserves. There's another statement that I love to say all the time. It's it's from uh, Charles Spurgeon. He said, I have a great need for Christ, but I have a great Christ for my need. Whatever it is that you need, it is found in Jesus. And that does sound like a cliche statement. It sounds like a blanket statement. But if anybody's big enough to be a blanket to cover everything, it's Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you today uh, from my heart. I've never preached what I'm going to preach today. But I felt it was specifically for you, those of you that are here. Okay? So do this with me. Just put your hand on, my, on your heart. Just take a deep breath in. Breathe out. Just rest. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, make me humble and help me love you. In your precious name, amen. Turn in your Bibles to Mark 10. While you're turning there, there's a quote that I wanted to read to you by Hannah Whithall Smith. She said, the life of faith consists in just this. Being a child in the Father's house. Mark 10, verse 14. The scripture says, when Jesus saw this, so the children are being brought to, children are being brought to Jesus, and the disciples rebuke the kids and the people bringing the children to him. And Jesus says, but it says, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, Permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them. Look at this. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Jesus himself has spoken to us and told us the kind that enter and what the kingdom consists of. The kingdom belongs to the children. I want you to turn over to Matthew 18. So 
So it says here, Matthew 18, at that time Jesus came and said, oh, sorry, at that time the disciples came to Jesus. That's a pretty big uh, difference. The disciples came to Jesus and said, who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he, look at this, called a child to himself and he set them before them, set him before them and said, truly I say to you, Unless you are converted and be like a child or become like a child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one, such in my name, receives me. Okay, I want you to think about what's going on here, okay? <laughs> they ask this question, who's the greatest in the kingdom? And just like Jesus loves to do, he teaches by what he does. The scripture says in Acts chapter 1 says that Jesus began to, this is all that Jesus began to do and to preach. We always say you got to practice what you preach. Jesus didn't practice what he preached. He preached what he practiced. And so Jesus preaches even in the things that he does. For instance, I'll give you an example. John 15 is the greatest example of abiding, the greatest teaching of abiding ever known to mankind. But the verse that comes just before I am the vine in 15 chapter, uh, chapter 15 verse 1 is the end of 14 where it says, Jesus says to them, get up, let's go from here. So they stand up and they begin to walk. And as they're walking together, Jesus begins to talk about abiding. In other words, what I'm doing with you right now has everything to do with what I'm teaching you right now. Step by step, remaining together in progress with each other. Are you seeing yeah. what we're saying? So the same thing is happening here. They say, who's the greatest? So Jesus says they're going to need another uh, clearer example. So he calls a child to himself. Okay, think about what's happening. He calls a child to himself. Now the child comes, the child comes to Jesus. Do you see this? The child comes to Jesus. That's the essence of childhood. The childlike nature is coming to Jesus. When we come to Jesus... We're responding to his desire for us to be with him. When he calls the child, he's wanting the child to be where he is. And when the child responds to Jesus' desire for him to come to him, we have the expression of what children do. You see it? In Mark chapter 9, verse 36, it's the same story. But this time it says that Jesus called the child and he holds the child. He's holding the child. And then he speaks to them from holding the child. Are you seeing this imagery? It's crazy that Jesus calls the child over, explaining to them what childlikeness looks like. It is those who come to Jesus and let him hold them. They're asking who's the greatest. And Jesus is saying, I'm going I'm to tell you something greater than who's the greatest. I'm going to tell you the greatest thing, and it's letting me hold you. Jesus says there in that same chapter, he says, whoever humbles himself as this child, showing us that this is the act of humility, responding to his desire 
for you to come to him. What does humility look like? Coming to Jesus. What does childlikeness look like? It means it looks like coming to Jesus and letting him hold you. That's what it looks like. And Jesus says to the disciples, he says, you must be converted like this little child. This word converted is very important. It, it actually means that we leave this worldly, unspiritual, self-seeking ideals and, and aims of selfish ambition. He's saying you need to change your, the way that you see everything. If you want to be a part of this kingdom, you've got to change the way that you even aspire, the way you see things to be valuable. What's valuable, what's not valuable, all of it's got to shift. And Jesus calls this humbling yourself by coming to him. And it's interesting, too, that he says, whoever receives one of these receives me. In other words, those who come to him, he sees as one with him. It's very important for us because this is what we want. See, little children, as John Wesley says, little children are lowly in heart, and they know themselves utterly ignorant and helpless, and they hang upon their father in heaven to supply all their needs. Do you see these words that John Wesley uses? They're lowly, and they recognize they're utterly ignorant. They don't know of themselves, and they're helpless in themselves. How many of you know it's always going to be more important <laughs> that God has all of our attention than us knowing what to do? It's more important that he has the attention of our heart than our minds knowing what to do. That's the essence of bankrupt childlikeness. Martha Kilpatrick once wrote, there is only one human responsibility before God, and it is honesty. She says, God cannot meet with a liar. So she says, this is why repentance is the first thing necessary. Children are marked by honesty. They're marked by an uncovered heart. Jesus says, you've got to change your mind. You've got to see things completely differently. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus calls a little child to come to him, and he holds the child in front of them. <laughs> to me, this is incredible. It flips everything upside down and makes the arrogant upset. The pride for her, like, you're kidding me, right? So, the scripture says there that Jesus says the kingdom belongs to the children. In other words, it's made up of children and only children. I remember Pastor Benny said to us one time, God only trust children because he cannot trust adults. He only uses children because he cannot trust adults. Because adults have grown into an independence, no longer needy, no longer lowly, and many times no longer honest. They've learned to cover their hearts instead of lived with an uncovered heart before God. Matthew 19, verse 13, it's important to recognize that Jesus calls the children to him and he lays his hands on them and he blesses them. This shows us something. These are the ones that get touched by God and are blessed by God, the children. <laughs> the children belongs, the children have the kingdom. The kingdom belongs to the children. Jesus touches the children. Jesus blesses the children. Jesus tells the disciples, you better become like children. 
You got to change the way that you see things. And if you don't understand what the scriptures are emphasizing when they say children in 1 Kings 3, verse 7, Solomon, Solomon says this. It's, it's very important. He says, I do not know how to come in or go out. It's a recognition of your inability. I don't, I don't know, Lord, but I trust you. That's the essence of children. And this word that's used for children is, is very interesting because it's not eight-year-olds. This is more like three-year-olds. The eight-year-olds will talk to you, and they'll ask you questions. But what Jesus talks about here is not that age. He talks about a small child. As a matter of fact, when he uses this word elsewhere, he talks about when a, when a woman has, uh, is in childbirth, and she feels the pain of childbirth, but then has the baby. She doesn't remember the pain of the childbirth. This is what Jesus says. He's saying that uses that same word for after she has the child or holds the child in her hand. In other words, he's talking about a small, dependent child. This is the key, is that we would be like this. See, he's talking to us about a habitual consciousness of our, insu our insufficiency. It's, it's living, recognizing that he's the only one who can provide for us. Even your logic can't make it happen. You can't twist things or turn things. you got to come with an uncovered heart, with honesty. Bow your knee before the Lord and say, Oh, Father, that's all I've got is an oh, Father. Not puffed up or despising others when you're put higher than them. Or despising someone because they're put higher than you. Children are different. They don't think like this. They don't recognize it. There's an entire sense of dependency upon God for strength. That's the children. And even with this, when they say, who is the greatest? Jesus is trying to say, children don't think like this. Okay? So we see Jesus says, whoever humbles himself... This is the essence of being childlike. You know, the Amplified Bible in Matthew 18 describes children as forgiving. Sometimes our grown-up adultness and independence holds things against people. <laughs> and Jesus says, you have to change your mind. You're too old. You're too old for my kingdom. You've grown into an independence where you no longer need me. That's why you won't forgive them. You see this? This is important because the kingdom belongs to the children and only the children. The children are not one kind in the kingdom. They're the only kind in the kingdom. This is so important. I wrote this quote down. Now, you have to listen closely. I need you to put your thinking cap on for this next statement, okay? We don't like to think these days, but let's think right now, okay? Put your thinking cap on. Nothing could serve to impress the disciples more strongly with the exclusive, ex the spirituality of the kingdom which Jesus is about to establish than making a childlike character the essential qualification for entering it. I'm going to read it one more time. Listen closely. you got to get this. Nothing could serve to impress the disciples more strongly with the exclusive spirituality of the kingdom which Jesus was about to establish than making a childlike character the essential qualification for entering. Are you following what it's saying? In other words, Jesus is establishing a kingdom, and he's trying to impress upon their hearts 
with uh, like a tattoo that it's only the children and childlike characteristics that exemplify the kingdom. You see, civil officers need skill. People who work in government must have decision-making power and, and, and character. Warriors must have courage. But the kingdom is looking for kids. It's just a different, it's a different world. It's a different value system. God smiles down as a heavenly father looking for those who he can gather upon his knee. This is what he's looking for. So he shows that all, that all of the disciples had been under the influence of a misconception of the nature of the kingdom. When they say, who's the greatest in the kingdom? He's like, man, you guys do not understand what's going on. It's kind of like when the sons of thunder want to call down fire to kill those. And Jesus is like, you don't even know the kingdom that you're of. I came to die for them, and you want to burn them with fire. <laughs> you know, it's just not human-like. It's God in a human that we see in Jesus. And he's trying to explain to us the value system that comes from another world that hasn't been turned upside down by sin. Are you seeing? So they have self-consciousness inside of them. Who's the greatest? And this self-consciousness manifests itself in ambition and thoughts of greatness. But Andrew Murray said, the true beauty of childlikeness is the absence of self-consciousness. There's freedom from ambition. Ooh, ambition can weigh a man down. But when you're a child, you forget even to have any. And not only freedom from ambition, but even freedom of thoughts of greatness. And that's the kind of freedom from thoughts of greatness that makes you gladly embrace the inferior offices. Gladly embrace the inferior offices as the highest responsibility given to you from God. You say, Eric, but I don't understand how would that play out in my life. Well, if you're a janitor and you say, I must not be very significant. This is pride on the other side. So you can fall off on the right side of the road or the left side of the road. I'm nothing. I'm everything. The middle is he's my father. <laughs> Which means when you're a janitor, you then recognize this lowly responsibility as the highest responsibility because you realize that you have a father. How great of a love with which God has loved us, that we would be called his children. 1 John 3, 1. This is an unfathomable situation that God Almighty would call us his children. So the root of all of our graces is when self is removed and the children have lost consciousness of themselves because they've never grown out or into self-consciousness. Jesus is saying, these are the ones that access me. When he is our supreme interest and he is all our desire, that's the essence of childlikeness. Are you following me? Is this okay? I just feel in my heart like this is a specific word for you. I don't have a whole lot left, but I feel in my heart that you have to see in your own heart, as I'm asking the Lord to show me in my own heart, areas where I've grown up. You have to see these areas because it's easy to, to not see them. As a matter of fact, before we even move on, just say this with me. Say, Jesus, 
show me the areas of my heart where I have grown up in your precious name. So Christ was the most humble. That's why he's the greatest preacher of humility. Jesus came down from heaven. <laughs> he says, I'm from above. You're from below. I'm from above. In other words, that's the greatest condescension known to man, coming down out of glory into this world. And that's why he is the greatest that there will ever be, because there's none more humble than he was and is. So the disciples sought greatness not by character. They sought greatness by name. And it's when our names are in our view that we have grown up away from him. When our names are in view, we're asking, who's the greatest in the kingdom? Children don't even remember to think about something like this. I'm asking God to do a work in us today that we would never be so high as to be decapitated by all the things that the world is decapitated by, but we'll be lowly as children. Say so they had these disciples had dreams of external pomp and power in a kingdom. They're comparing Jesus' talk of kingdom with Rome. <laughs> Jesus is he's literally like, oh, Lord, how can I crush this whole thing? Come here, little boy. <laughs> so Jesus saying you must be converted means you need to have a different mind about yourself and a different mind about my kingdom. See, Peter was the chief speaker. He must have thought that he would be Lord Chancellor in the kingdom. Simon and Jude were nearly related to Christ. They must have expected to be princes by blood. Or Judas held the money bag. He would have thought himself to be the Lord Treasurer. Andrew was the first called. He must have thought, easily, I'm first place. But Jesus, in this discourse, rebukes their whole intent by bringing a child in. He destroys selfish ambition, pride, self-centeredness, the looking for our own name, being something great by calling in someone with the absence of self-consciousness, putting them on his knee and speaking to them about a child. Goodness gracious. I love this, Jesus. I love the way he is. He's so different. When he says, I'm gentle and lowly, this is completely opposite than what we would think he would say. When he, you know that Jesus only has one time he describes himself in the entire Bible? There's only one time Jesus gives a self-description. And these are his chosen words. Gentle <laughs> and lowly. You know, the, the, the Jewish classes in this day were separated in two categories. Either you were wealthy and you lived at arm's distance from people, or you were lowly and you had nothing and you were poor. So the wealthy were inaccessible. The poor were everywhere. Jesus saying I'm lowly is saying I'm completely accessible to you. There's no red tape. There's no hurdles to jump over. No hoops. Here I am. And if you want, you can come sit upon my knee. So his answer condemns the whole thing. Humility is a lesson that is hard to be learned. And he seeks to teach it to them in all ways possible. And 
we see that pride and ambition and affection for honor are all destroyed with this simple image of a child. Now, I want to clarify, when we say child, we're talking about the wonderful qualities of a child, like, like uh, the absence of self-consciousness, humility, these kinds of things. The, the scriptures do speak of the foolishness of a child in 1 Corinthians 14, 20. It says, don't be foolish like a child. And in Ephesians 4, 14, it says, don't be as fickle as a child tossed here and there. Or in Matthew eleven sixteen, he speaks specifically of not uh, also foolishness, being, taking things for granted, not taking things seriously like a child. Do you understand? So that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the, the wonderful qualities of a child that Jesus chooses to pull out, which is this, that they come to him and they, they realize him. These, the child provides nothing for himself. Everything is provided for the child. Who's the most cared for in the home? Is it not the youngest? <laughs> Who gets the most attention in the house? The youngest one. Who gets the least attention in the house? The oldest one. <laughs> is that not true? <laughs> so pestilence may walk through the streets, but the child regards it not. You see? Failure, uh, uh, failure is not even, even thought of, really, in the, in the child's mind. They just live. Famine and fire and war may rage around the child, but because he's under his father's care, he is unconcerned and at perfect rest if he's with his father. You see? This is the essence of a child. So I remind you of the first statement. The life of faith consists in just this, of being a child in the father's house. The child's uh, characteristic is freedom from care. Jesus says, and it's, it's echoed in uh, Isaiah, we cast our cares upon the Lord because he cares for us. That's childlikeness in a statement. The children say, my father will take care of this for me. My mother has me. Children put their trust in another. And this is casting your cares upon him, knowing that he will do the caring for you. And so I just want to encourage you today, really, is all it is. That it's not as the athlete wrestling for the crown, taking heaven by violence of will, but as a child with your heavenly father sit down and know the bliss that follows, be still. I want to encourage you today that a simple childlike trust and boast in your father in realizing the appropriation of the fullness of Christ is by faith alone that surrenders its will to God and throwing away distrust and doubt and the foolishness of trying to grow yourself and simply respond to his love calling you into his arms. And feel no pressure at all to be anything other than who you are, his child. Childlikeness is the willingness to be completely dependent, utterly dependent, transparent, wearing nothing but this, the beautiful grace of honesty and truth before God and men. Are you following me? So... Summarizing all this, they say who's the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus calls a child, the child 
comes to Jesus, responds to Christ's desire for him to come to him. That's childlikeness. And then sits on his lap and lingers with him. This is where all our confidence would come from, him. This is where all the strength and grace needed for life is found on his lap. I guess what I'm asking you today is, are you living on his lap? You live on his lap by coming to him, responding to his desire to be with you. Are you following me? So maybe you're here right now and you've never come to Jesus. You've, you've never once actually felt the liberty from your sins. Don't, 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 lose, don't let me lose you. Look right here. You're here and you've never felt the freedom from the weight of your sins. If, if that's you, you can meet Jesus today and he will take the weight off today. If you're here and you're under the bondage of sin, see, the blood of Jesus doesn't just free us from the penalty of sin. It breaks the power of sin. If you're under the power of sin, you need to come to Jesus because he's the one that has a remedy. You may have all kinds of maladies, but he has all kinds of remedies inside of his person. He has a, he has a remedy for every one of your maladies. Every sickness you have, he has a, he's a physician for it. So I, I want to ask you, as everybody here, if you have not yet come to sit upon the lap of Christ and receive fr freedom from sin and the freedom from the burden and the weight of sin, entering into peace with God, peace in your heart, joy unspeakable and full of glory, I encourage you to come to Jesus today. Respond to him saying, I want to take your sins from you. When Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, I want you to think about this. God kneels down. God, God kneels down at the feet of sinners and he washes their feet. It's like Jesus is saying, will you let me wash you? Will you let me take your sins from you? There's, no, there's nobody like this. There's nobody so kind. There's nobody so loving there's nobody so selfless. There's nobody that can match Jesus. I really have my eyes on this guy right now. He didn't bleed for you. I really have, this, I really have my eyes on this girl right now. She ain't died for you. There's nobody like Jesus. And if you don't know him, you have no relationship with him, I encourage you to come to Jesus today. As a matter of fact, if that's you and you want the burden of your sins taken off and you want to meet this wonderful, glorious, precious, joy-filled, peace-centered Jesus Christ, I want you to raise your hand right where you are. Praise God. Praise God.